Hi, my name is Christina McCarthy. I'm president CEO of a brand new company called Paycor Minerals. The ticker is CORE, C-O-R-E. On the venture, we are just newly listed, just fresh out the gate as of today. Um, by background, I'm a geologist. We have just acquired one of the best properties in my mind in Nevada. We think we're on the brink of being one of Nevada's newest discoveries, a project located right on the Eureka Gold Belt, uh, all the infrastructure in place, town nearby, and some of the greatest other projects right along this belt as well in terms of geology and exploration. We have a, we have a, we've been able to acquire a project that had some past production and it is now been the we are now the first company to drill this in decades it's been over 50 years since anyone has even looked at this and even really known about it christina thank you very much for coming on the show i really appreciate it um we you brand you're, you're the new new kid on the block here well congratulations on the yeah. listing uh for for a start and thanks thank very much for coming and telling us about it um why don't we kick off because we've not met or spoken before um on this story so you, um, can you give us a little bit of your background you, you mentioned you're a geologist but what, what have you done that we'd uh, recognize yeah so by background i'm a geologist i've been in the capital markets for nearly 14 years now I've uh, been play, worked in various roles such as institutional sales, um, equity research. Um, we built an, an exempt market dealer with a couple ex Brock guys. Um, I spent five years working for Rob McEwen as uh, corporate development. And um, after that, left to start, join a company where we were actually, we launched the Newfound Gold um, IPO, which was probably one of the hottest IPOs in 2020. Uh, those are all the geos that we went uh, that I went to university with. Uh, so that was an exciting story to be part of that. And then uh, while working there, I had um, was VP of corporate development for a company named Oro Peru, which was sold to First Light Capital. And um, during kind of in the background, I had known about this project for many years and knew that um, I could potentially separate this project from this this Ruby Hill complex, which was owned. Uh, by Waterton, and so uh, we were able to to do that. It took a few months to, to get the to get it over the line because I'm not so sure they wanted to give it away. But um, we've been able to now acquire this project, and you know the first the first time the first time, as I said earlier, we'll be the first drillers in in decades. So it'll be exciting to see. Uh, what the potential is. Well, well absolutely. Um, and, and before we kind of launch into the project proper uh, and, and how you plan to come at it, is just, just give some of the other names involved. So obviously I recognize you, uh, you and Danny um, as part of the management team. Um, yeah. is, is he active or is he just a nameplate? Or in, in, in case, well, who, who's the team supporting you actively? Yeah, so he is supporting it actively. Um, and I 80, right up until most recently, has been very active in supporting me. And the reason being is, when I knew about this project, I asked Ewan to help me go through the data room by leveraging some of the technical expertise that he had over at, it was Premier Gold at the time. And I used a couple of geos, we worked together to build the model to look in the data room to actually acquire as part of the due diligence of this project. Um, in that process, he was, it was, he was, it was him and I as the directors of this company, uh, but uh, he became an I eventually I80 spun out of Premier Golds became an 8% shareholder of Paycor and he then a year later um, acquired the project directly next to me 
Uh, I guess he saw the potential uh, in the data room uh, with what was next door and uh, which is why he acquired it. And because that is a conflict of interest that he is directly next door and we share a lot of similar similarities with our projects, he had to step down as, a, as an advisor to the board. Um, Jim Gowans, he's, I mean, I'd say one of the top five metallurgists on the globe, uh, very well respected. He used to work for Barrick and actually knew about this pair, this project when Barrick had owned it. Um, he's a former president and CEO of Arizona Mining, which sold to South 32 for 1.65 billion US. Um, and it was a zinc, uh, a lead zinc project. So very similar similarities in terms of metallurgical and me um, metallics here. Um, another one, <clears throat> another pro person on the board that's joined us is John Begaman. Uh, John Begaman was previously with Premier. He's also on the board of Yamana. Um, and he's joined. He's joined also um, more recently, and uh, as well as Steve Filipovic. He was the previous CFO for Premier Gold. And um, Ewan used to always say he was the brains of the operation. And he didn't want to be with big corporates and want to stay with smaller companies. So we were really lucky to, to have him join us as well. So you'll see a lot of Premier uh, I-80 sort of similarities there. But um, they're obviously, you know, there are a lot of synergies with the projects now that we're working on. Absolutely. A lot of, and a lot of past success too. So um, tell me about the, we, again, so I, I, keep, I keep threatening to get into the project, but I'm intrigued by the kind of setup here. So the, those are some of the names associated. But if I look at the register as well, it's kind of quite institutional out of the gate, right? So what, what have you gone out at? Well, so starting today, we'll have 28 million shares out. Um, a lot. So John Hathaway, uh, he opposed the closing uh, today. He'll own 5% of the company. I-80 will own 6% of the company. And then Insiders is, is about 16%. And it's a lot of uh, mostly management and, um, and of course, Ewan as well, himself personally. <laughs> and then institutionally, we have a, we got a couple institutions in there early. Um, and then also uh, Waterton's one of our uh, biggest shareholders as well as part you know, of the structure and acquiring this project from them. Okay, and you got to, you read something. You've got, um, got very little information, so uh, please uh, apologies from me. Um, but you've got, I read something, you've got about 12 million bucks, uh, 12.4 million bucks-ish cash um, out of the gate. So what was the kind of pre-money, post-money valuations? I, I can't say that. So, yeah, we will have, so US 12.4 million. Um, we raised that back in December uh, subscription receipt, and upon the twelve point four million US, uh, we do make an initial five million dollar payment to Waterton to, as part of the structure, to acquire this hundred percent. We do own it now, hundred percent, and um, and they will. So they will. That is why they are one of our largest shareholders. Um, we communicate with them ongoing, and they seem to want, you know support us in our decisions and. Um, our happy shareholders. Right, but, but okay, but um, I guess what I'm trying to understand, because again, I can't see it here, is, is so t today you went out at what price in terms of market capitalization? $10. Right, and, and yeah. right. Okay, fine. Okay, makes sense. Um, and the Waterton, the, the structure of that deal, five million bucks plus it says here thirty-five million, thirty-five percent of, of of the company. Um, Waterton, you know, plow their own 
track their own furrow, as it were. Um, what's the deal with them in terms of how long they stay in? How, do they dilute? Yeah. All of that kind of good stuff because they can make a break you further down the line. That's right. And I think it's a good question to ask right at the gate because when someone hears Waterton's involved, they, you know, they, people want to ask how, how much are they aligned with you? Um, they're subject to the 36 month uh, restrictions imposed by the exchange um, in that regard. And, um, you know, we also, and then, and then from there on in terms of payments as it's to, you know, ongoing, we, upon completion of a 43101, we would have to make a $7 million payment to them. However, um, if we wanted to pay them earlier, it would only cost us $4 million, which is a lot better, obviously. And I think that for us, I think that the drill is really going to speak volumes here and what, we, what in terms of drill results that we'll put out and that we will have the valuation to support that where we can raise money at a much higher price and make that early payment so that we can kind of get rid of that right out of the gate. And I think that our shareholders would probably prefer that as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, understood. Um, right, so, so let's, let's get into the project in terms of um, what it is that you bought, what you know in terms of the, the data available, and then what you're going to do with, with the, um, the capital uh, allocation. Yeah, so this is, again, located on uh, the Battle Mountain Eureka Trend. Um, it's directly next to the previously producing Archimedes pit, which was also operated by Barrick and it's currently now owned by I-80. Uh, so they, we do share a border with them. Uh, this is the original Ruby Hill mine. Um, there is so much excitement about this project because at depth at 700 meters, there's a shaft right to this, this deposit. And it's only been drilled in a very, tight core little uh, network. And so for us, um, we've recently taken a 200 meter step out from that main core deposit and hit 36.6 meters of 13 grams gold equivalent. I mean, that's a stellar hole. Um, if you, if we were to look at just that main deposit there, they were, they only mined it for two years via the shaft. And that was because they hit a fault. It flooded the mine and it, they had to walk away from it in the 50s. They just didn't have the technology to pump that type of water. So for us, we want to go back. And we know that there's an existing resource. It's non 43101 compliant. However, it's 3.9 million tons at about 13.6 grams equivalent, just sitting there, just sitting there on top. And it's been sitting there for decades. And we're fortunate enough to be able to put together a really good management team, a good technical team, and and drill this drill this target. Tell me this: you had choices, right? You, you're involved with the Newfound Gold project, which obviously is one of the the, the best uh, things to hit 2020, um, and 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 the, the growth that came with that. You had you, you had you, I guess you had choices um, to make as to the type of project that you wanted to go after next. I mean, polymetallic people struggle to kind of understand the polymetallic story because they they, they don't it, it it can be complicated, right? Um, yeah. Why 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 did you go for this asset? Was it a case of well, it's 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 the it's the first thing that came up, or um, no, were there other things not. you discounted first? I mean, why not go for an easy gold I've story? I've known about this project for many years, and it was just unavailable to be. To, to, it was not for sale, essentially. Right. Um, with myself and Ewan Downey leveraging. Um, our background and what we could potentially do with this project that 
we had to really twist Waterton's arm to sell it to us. And with regards to the polymetallic question, I absolutely love polymetallics and that when gold is out of favor and we're in a, you know, seemingly bad gold environment, there's, we're diversified in the fact that we have the other metals, the zinc, lead, uh, silver, and maybe even there's a little bit of copper. So for us, it's, we're more nimble that way. Um, it makes us, I mean, and when you, from a fund perspective and the investment criteria that they are looking at, I think we check the box for both. Um, as, as, and, and essentially, the the optionality of having, you know, an underground deposit or a near surface oxide potential deposit. Um, and we can get into that in a minute as well. You know, well, I'd love to. So it's just, you know, you, you may love it, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to uh, understand is given the choices that you probably have available to you and clearly the ability to go and raise capital from from some of the names that you've mentioned, it's, it, I, I wondered why that rather than a sort of simple precious metal story, which, you know, it, it, it's kind of a bit more run of the mill. Um, because you, you then further down the line run into thing, things like, um, you know, when you have to start talking about the economics of, of these things and producing, producing concentrate and so forth, yeah. How, how that how that well, that's breaks why down, I right? Best metallurgist, right? Jim Gallant, right? <laughs> um, and he's looked at the metallurgy, and we and there's already some initial recoveries done in a heck and a feasibility study that was done by Hecla uh, in 1974, and so there the the recoveries were really good then, and Jim believes that we could even improve it more now because it, it was done in the 70s, and here we are again decades later with way you know, improved technology to do so. Right. And so for us, it was, you know, having to be able to, you know, when I, when I looked at my options to think, where do I want to be? Well, I, I wanted to be in the U.S. I wanted to be on one of the more prolific mining belts in the world. I wanted to find, and I wanted to find the next big deposit. And for this was this little gem that's just been like, a, you know, a diamond in the rough, if you will, because it's not, nobody has touched it. And, and if you were to even search the FAD project online, there's just hard... You, it's, you can barely even find any information on it. So, so how, do, how do you move this thing forward with the, with the money that you've got available to you today? There's, there's a sort of non-43 one-on-one compliant resource at, at the moment, right? So do, do you go through a process of verification or, or, or twinning, twinning holes to kind of make sure the data is right? Yeah. Do you say, well, we'll we'll continue to step out like you, you seem to have started to do already? Mm -hmm. Do you do some infill drilling? I mean, how, how do you come at it? Because you've got a market story to sell. I, I'm kind of looking back to the kind of success of the market story that was told of and you found gold. You kind of got everyone yeah. super, super excited real, real quick there. But then there's a job to be done on the ground in terms of doing it the right way as well. So how do you manage that balance? Yeah, a, a two-prong approach. Um, having an existing resource at depth is something that's a great, we're not a grassroots company. You know, we, we know that there actually is a deposit sitting there untested um, in terms of the other uh, geology around it. So we, there's this project that has a very tight core of drilling. And for us, we looked at what the mineralized footprint is of what we know right now, which is so of what we know right now, it's about 5,000 by 5,000 feet, just on that little area of, of data that we've acquired. This doesn't even, this doesn't even touch all of the downfalls and uh, the, the faulting of the geology that hosts this. And that was just because when they drilled this in the forties, it took them about eight months to drill one drill hole. You could imagine that waiting to drill that long. And so after wait, taking so long to drill, they knew the deposit was there. They sunk the shaft and just and started mining. So 
leaving behind this, you know, big resource at depth. And we are going to test the, we're going to confirm that all of that mineralization that was done there many years ago is in fact there. And so we've announced three drill holes so far. Uh, and, and then we will also do, you know, very systematic approach step outs. And that's because you know, we want to be able to confirm the lateral extent of it. From there, again, and I'm talking about what we already know, it's just a tiny bit in this little resource that exists, it's 5,000 by 5,000 feet. We're eventually, we will test the down dip extensions of that favorable host rock to see how what what could be potentially down there. It's just completely wide open. And we love that there's a structure here because the structure is what, you know, are the conduits for and fluid paths for mineralization. The second prong approach is the near surface target. That was, you know, if you jump to our website and looked at our presentation, you can see the aerial view of all of the old workings. And it was just really primitive mining methods, you know, tunneling and addits. And it was done in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And I just can't believe that this hasn't been followed up on and had any work done on it because we believe that they could, I mean, with those type of mining methods, they were certainly they certainly weren't efficient enough to to um, to mine all of the surface mineralization. So we're going to also target the and it's and it's all oxide. We actually just drilled our first hole in the oxide target. It's all oxide. We just have to get the results back now. And it's again, it's got that Carlin overprint. So this is a very unique deposit, and you know I don't think there's another one on the globe that will average out to be as high grade gold. And the reason I say that is it's it's a carbonate replacement deposit. So for all those technical people or non-technical people out there, usually the gold grades in, in these kind of deposits are, are, are tend to be low. But because we're in Nevada and we have that Carlin overprint, the gold grades are really, are, are there's a higher gold grade in this. And so that's why this deposit is just going to be so different, so unique from any other system like this on the globe. Well, it'll probably average to be around eight to 10 grams gold. And it'll be the only one that could be, that has those type of characteristics. Okay. Because again, it was being Nevada. <laughs> interesting, interesting. interesting. And um, so with, with that oxide and obviously with what uh, 180 things are near, nearby, they're kind of open, but are we, are we looking at a, this is going to be, an, are you going to potentially start with a kind of open pit? Um, solution or what, what are you envisaging ha happening with? So we can be nimble in both of those ways. Right. There's the, we, if the results come back encouraging for the near surface target, which is the, which is the open pitable oxide, then we could focus drilling on there. If we, if the gold environment that we're in or if the market conditions change and we want to preserve capital, we could potentially just focus on the near surface drilling to preserve capital. However, I think that the target at depth, the underground, um, mineralization because we are so certain about um, from the old data how to target these holes we believe that that's 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 where the high grade it, the high grade will be and so we think you know having those two pro that two prong approach it's it'll benefit our shareholders it'll benefit us to be able to again diversify and be nimble in you know different market conditions okay okay um that's interesting. You, you mentioned that a few times, different market conditions. But I should say actually one more thing on that. So both the, uh, the near surface target is that we know that it's oxide and directly next door I-80 are currently producing off of their leach pattern, now their residual leach off the, um, from the Archimedes pit. Well, if we really, if because we're on patented ground, our time to permitting is actually far much more, it's far shorter 
we could potentially work out some arrangement with IAD next door to use their operations or in some agreement where we can process our ore over on their path. Okay, so that gives some economics or sense of economics down the line in terms of that kind of tolling agreement. Uh, yeah, so IAD next door is good. So let me, let me come back to it again keep, in terms of keeping it simple just for this introductory call, sure. uh, which is let's, let's put that kind of two-faced thing in uh, terms of people understand. So in terms of dollars spent or meters to be drilled with each of those options, what are you, what are you thinking given your budget? Yeah, so we're going to, we will drill, phase two is just about to start right now, and it'll consist of 3,800 meters. We will we will have a ratio of underground to near surface holes. I, we are just, because we are just getting back the last hole right now from the near, from phase one, we're going to plug all the information into the data, the database, the model, and see what we think that the focus should be going forward. I'm no gold spot very well. And um, I'm, like I said, me and Denise went to university together and I really believe in the technology that they have there. And so we may engage gold spot as well to do some downhole uh, structural work for us for geophysics and, um, and right. using some, we're, we're just in discussions of talking about what uh, potential uh, resources uh, they could provide for us. Okay. So there's, there's some, some real obvious, Targets. You, you talked about the near surface oxide component, obviously, with outlets and tunneling everywhere. Um, how, how much of the old data are you going to be able to, you know, put into a database and actually analyze and do some more, rather more analytical targeting? Um, plus, whatever you do with Goldspot. I mean, how, and how long does that process take? The old data will will give us a very good direction of where to drill however it's we don't have any of the old core we don't have the old assay search so we have to do this really all of ourselves gotcha. um we think we could be at a spot i mean drilling about 30 holes uh where we really understand what we have and you know in the next if we wanted to go that route within the next you know 12 to 18 months look at where we stand with building a resource i think it's going to be closer to 18 months um these are deep holes and yeah, they take some time, but you know we just added a second drill rig. So on that, we should be able to drill these holes quicker. We will we'll, one drills quicker than the other. I won't get into the technical details of all of that, but we'll be able to speed up the process a bit so that we have a news flow to market and some exciting things to be able to talk to talk about. Well, which just give us a bit of a clue what's going on there in terms of the the drill. I guess rig number one diamond and rig number two. What? RC rig. RC, cool. Okay. So what you do, yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot quicker, and you can drill right to the top of the water table, and then you would switch to an R, the core rig after. Right. And so we're, I'm working with kind of water tables. Obviously, you know, further down the line, people can be saying, well, you know, permitting and licensing and EIAs and all, all those wonderful things that, that, that come along with when water's involved. Um, is um, How do you cope with it? With the drilling, and you talked about you know the, the more modern techniques for ex extracting or removing water from from yeah. your work area. But uh, what problems does it uh, give you? What's it add to the sort of cost or per meter when you're drilling? Yeah, well, uh, so right now to drill, obviously we need the water to drill. We're, we can we have the ability uh, or the option to source water from the old shaft. Right. Um, right next door, we could pay for water off our neighbors, I eighty, or we or from the from the state. Uh, in terms of the water for the project and the dewatering aspects of that, um, when this when the project 
was when they were mining for the two years from 1956 to 1958, and they hit a hit a fault and it flooded the mine. It started at around 2,000 gallons per minute and got upwards around 9,000. And just to put that in perspective, so 2,009 gallons, what does that even mean? Well, down the road over at Cove, they're dewatering at 50,000 gallons per minute and have to maintain that at 25,000 gallons per minute. So just to give you an idea where, you know, here's something like, you know, three times the size and water, they're doing it, managing it quite well. But again, it's all about how now we have technology to do that. Whereas in the fifties, they didn't. And so, you know, I, don't, I almost call it like a leaky pipe back then because it's the, more manageable now for us. Yeah, no, well, yeah, but these are, these are, these are the sort of engineering uh, feats that um, always amaze me. Um, how, how you guys sort of come at it, you know, further down the line when it when it's when it really start really starts to matter. Um, well, like, Christina, and look, I appreciate the you coming in, just giving us that little overview of uh, one. This there's a new there's a new project in town, folks. Uh, polymetallic, you love. Um, and do, you, and do you think do you think the market is going to start start to love that in this current macro environment? As you say, it kind of it swings one way and the other, and it may, maybe you do have the flexibility to report in, in gold, silver, zinc, or whatever you want. Yeah, well, we report in gold equivalent right now, mm. um, and you know you could do a zinc equivalent um, depending on how your grades and how high the zinc content is. For us, I think that. Again, I talk about, you know, being on the brink of this sort of new discovery. And I think that, you know, the drill results will speak for themselves. I think if we continue and how the, you ask how the market will perceive this, I think if we continue to put out drill results such as we have been in the, in the first three holes and we, you know, I mean, just to put, put it in perspective, one of the old holes, the historic holes, it hit 92 feet of 20 grams gold, 476 grams silver and 20% lead zinc. I mean, that's phenomenal. And so when I think about the type of holes that we're drilling now and the confirmation that we're doing, I think that we continue to put that out. I think the market will see that and, you know, we'll make their own choice on how to value, how to value that. And I think you see that with, you know, a newfound gold, for example, and the type of holes that they put out. They have a great support system, obviously, with Eric. Um, I think we have a great shareholder base and we have a great management team to really take this project to the next level.